Kane's Fishing and Hunting Show on the all-new Kane 107.5. Hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Good morning and welcome to Kane Radio's Fishing and Hunting Show. I'm Tony Landry along with Ricky Watkins. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Tony. For our weekly uh, hunting and fishing show, uh, welcome to Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And as always... The purpose of this show is to keep our listeners updated with the fishing and the hunting in the area, along with Louisiana and stories around the USA and the world. And, Rick, uh, each Friday, uh, the reason we're here, these fine people. You're right, Tony. We've got to thank our sponsors, Animal Hydraulics, Doors Heating and Cooling, Home Run Pizza, and Raging Cajun Seasoning and Foods. And later on during the broadcast, we're going to have on uh, one of the representatives from uh, uh, Raging Cajun Seasoning and Foods. I'll be uh, right after the break here on uh, the hunting and fishing show meanwhile uh, uh elsewhere if you'd like to give us a call of course the number is 337-367-1240 you can listen to us online uh, at www.kane1240.com and anywhere in the world and if you have an alexa just say alexa play kane 1240 you can also uh, uh pick up the show on any accessible internet device we're live here at the studios of kane radio 107 west main street uh, next to victor cafeteria which is opened here in downtown new iberia and rick uh, first thing off the top of freshwater and saltwater fishing what you're hearing got a good report they're catching some nice sockelet of course my buddies are kind of tight lipped you know, I, I know where they're fishing, but I, I I can't say that on the radio because they they'll disown me if I do. I hear you. But it was it was a good report out of the lake uh, this past week, and on the salt water, I haven't heard too much. Uh, with the basin, it's it's kind of like a roller coaster right now, up and down. I haven't yeah, heard too much about the basin, and the last time that I went fishing was a a couple of weeks ago at the pond. We did very well, like I told you, and uh, the fish are fixing to spawn, Tony, and uh. What we were throwing was just a, a smaller size bait and kind of downsizing, and uh, been doing very well with that. Yeah, and with that too, Rick, I uh, haven't heard much uh, with the saltwater fishing, but it's getting ready to crank it up uh, with the uh, big, tournament. Yeah, the big yeah. redfish tournament. Uh, it's getting ready to crank up, I think, on the March 16th. And, you know, we're here. February's got 29 days. It's a leap year, but. Uh, Man, it's rolling. Oh, March 16th, uh, uh, I mean, in uh, March. Yep. Uh, they're going to crank it up. And then just right around the corner, too. That's right. Uh, a little bit before those, those tournaments, too. I think it's on uh, looking the at the calendar. I think it is, Tony. Yeah. Yep. I think spring, you're right. Yep, spring forward. That's right. So yep. we're going to lose an hour or so with that. Uh, but in the meantime, as you mentioned, Rick, uh, boy, the, the Butler Rose, the river stage, uh, did uh, last uh, this morning at 6 o'clock, it was right at a little over 12 foot. Yes, sir. And it's looked to uh, rise towards the end of the month in the next uh, – uh, five, five or six days or so, get back up to a little over twelve, and then uh, going to shoot back down. And then the bottom and, falls yeah, out. And the yep. first week of March, uh, it's going to drop another three feet or so. So, uh, with that, uh, don't know. And I know you keep up with the barometric, uh, uh, relative bar- uh, barometric uh, with that. And Rick, I don't know how that's been uh, working uh, for you lately, too. Well, that, right now this time of year, you got to watch the moon phase too. Uh, the sockeye will spawn, and then the bass come in, and then naturally, you know, uh, early summer. Well, yeah, say late spring, early summer, and then your brim will spawn. So that you know, uh, the moon phase has a lot to do with it. Yeah, and uh, with that too, uh, uh, with like you said, with the uh, sockeye uh, spawning right now, uh, yeah, gonna make for interesting fishing too. Very shallow. Yeah, in that regard. So uh, with that, I also want to remind folks too uh, that. Uh, 
the Louisiana Sportsman 44, uh, 44th annual show up in, uh, in the Baton Rouge areas uh, this weekend, uh, uh, next weekend, excuse me, the first, second, and third. And it's always entertainment too, Rick. A lot, a lot of things uh, uh, with prizes and uh, just uh, the new development and all the new uh, fishing lures and yep. things of that nature. Oh, yeah. And uh, Tony, that show has everything, bro. When you talk about sportsmen, everything from A to Z. Yeah, I mean, I, I went there a couple of years ago. I mean, it's it's unreal. Yeah, it it really is, and uh, I think it's in the Raising Cane uh, uh, yeah. Pavilion and all that, or, or right. Civic Center up there in in that area. So um, great to see. Anyway, also Rick in our area, man, the tournaments are going to really kick off in the yeah. next month or so. That's right. Uh, with that, uh, with the LBC and uh, the Legends tournaments and all those tournaments, uh, the SFA, yeah, getting ready to kick off. That's right. Uh, uh, the Redfish tournament, of course, uh, they're going to crank that up. Of course, with that, uh, also I saw where uh, Owens and Romero took uh, wasn't able to get that whole story together, but Owens and Romero took advantage of the mid morning bites. They they got the big win in the LBA tournament. And over in the Brobridge area, uh, I guess, yeah, Ravens, Owens, and uh, Brad uh, Romero were the top in the second Bass, uh, Louisiana Bass Anglers Tournament 2024. So, uh, anyway, also I saw where uh, Shoop and his son uh, 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 came up and won a tournament in the LBC uh, with that uh, as Jacob and Don, the Shoopman. Uh, they uh, had a winning team, too, so the tournaments are cranking up, too. Yep. Of course, the uh, big one to come, uh, of course, is the uh, Jackie Savoy Big Bass Classic, and that's not going to be for another two months. That's going to be April 27th out at Marshfield Landing, where it's usually held, and hopefully they can build up it again because, you know, with the COVID, it dropped off some, right. and, uh, and that's only natural with that. So, uh, yes, sir. anyway, uh, we'll have more about that in the weeks to come, too, and of course, uh, right around the corner of the Wednesday night hog fights in a couple of weeks from now, well, three weeks from now, uh, they begin, uh, as uh, Mike called in a few weeks ago and talked about uh, March 20th. Right, right and after the time change. That's yes, right. Sir. You yep. know, uh, and of course, it's out there at Marshfield Landing, and uh, you fish from, uh, I guess, uh, from about 5 o'clock to around sunset. About 5.30 to, yeah. Yeah, and yep. so with the clock moving uh, 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 back, uh, uh, they're going to have another hour or so uh, to fish. So, uh, yes, sir. And Mike, uh, great about giving the call-ins each week. Or oh, yeah, he'll call week. in every other Friday. Yeah, yep. that's right, to let us know what's shaking in that. Of course, as always, uh, we talked about the big redfish tournament, the SFA tournament, uh, which will uh, crank up March 16th. That's a Saturday uh, out there at Quintana Landing. So uh, Get up early. And they hope to have a, a, a good turnout, too, uh, and build back up on this tournament, too, with that. So, uh, oh, yeah. And appreciate Brooks and Amy keeping me informed about all of that uh, with yep. their uh, big tournament and all. Anyway, also just quickly uh, here, uh, they got a Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries announces a wet shop, and that's going to be later on this summer. But uh, it's scheduled for July 14th, Bastille Day, to the 19th uh, here at uh, Grand Isle. Uh, the application deadline is May 10th, and it's a six-day workshop. Will provide teachers, that's teachers, okay. and an in-depth look at issues related to the uh, wetland ecology and coastal and Louisiana loss. Participating teachers can accrue up to 61 hours of instruction, covering a wide variety of topics, including the ecology, uh, the fisheries management, coastal restoration. Teachers also spend a portion of the day in the field learning uh, about maritime uh, 
uh, forest barrier islands, uh, coastal restoration projects, uh, bird identification, march and swamp uh, habitats, uh, marine organisms. So it's a great class. There's a small fee to it. Uh, but uh, if your teacher's interested, get in there and look it up on the uh, Wildlife and Fisheries website to be uh I guess uh, yes, sir. informed, you know, in 61 hours. Uh, that's a bunch of hours for yep. a teacher to recruit. Sound like a good class. That's right. So uh, with that. Anyway, you know, we're talking a lot about it over the last uh, few months with regards to uh, the Manhattan or the pokey rules that are coming about uh, yep. with that. And there was a compromise found, uh, I think, last week. They met. I wasn't able to get the, uh, the press release. But uh, – uh, you know, it's been off and on for almost five years, this confrontation with the commercial, with the take of the Manhattan. And uh, last Thursday, in a special Wildlife and Fisheries Commission meeting, the decision to amend the original uh, notice of intent came uh, from the governor, Jeff Landry's office, to move the commercial buffer zone from one mile uh, to a one half mile off the coast. The notice of intent called for a three mile uh, buffer, no fishing zone off Grand Isle and Rutherford and Holly Beaches off the southwest coastline. And you can remember we mentioned a few, uh, maybe even a couple months back, the number of uh, pogies that were dumped uh, there on the shoreline, uh, something where in the vicinity of 800,000 pounds, too. And then another dump. Anyway, uh, the new uh, zone pass Thursday leaves that uh, the three-mile buffer off Grand Isle but reduces the no-fish zone to one mile off Holly Beach and leaves Rutherford in the statewide one-half-mile barrier. And uh, with that, and to avoid commercial operations, opening the Manhattan season under a set of rules. And uh, I did pull up those set of rules uh, with that. And, uh, Rick, you, like I know, that's the speckled trout and a lot of other game fish is uh, – <coughs> big meal and uh those pogies you know aren't really big fish no nope. but they swim in big uh uh uh, uh i guess uh, uh the schools yeah. yeah the schools of fish but right. also the, that's what it was and that's for. almost the number one you know food chain for that's the right. that's speckled right. trout so, and yeah. uh the specks and you know when those big boats <laughs> come into shore or close to shore like that and just yeah. netting them up and pulling them up uh right uh, it, it, you know you know, years ago, we, we both spoke about that. Uh, speck fishing used to be, be the thing at the and it, it might be, you know, I, I don't know if that's the reason it declined. I mean, I don't know. Just, you know, it's Same hard here. to say, you know. I can remember as uh, uh, years ago. Uh, you could watch them swim. Oh, the water was clear enough where you could see, I mean, yep. uh, schools of uh, uh, specks uh, just, I mean, back then people were loading up their ice chests for 75, 80, 90 yep. uh, specks. I mean, uh course so hopefully it was small throwing back some of the smaller ones but i mean you right you were catching two pound specks you know just yeah. left and right but uh, you just wonder if that's i don't know you know maybe we, we'll see yeah in due time as they say in due time so uh yes, sir. anyway uh the results uh more than 40 fish spills over the past four years the proposed new regulations no Manhattan, uh, Manhattan uh, purse uh, signed gear or contents of purse signed gear shall be released or abandoned while on the water during the course of fishing. So if they catch a fish and the net breaks, they've, they've got to make a, a deal with that. Such gear will be shall marked as appropriate manner to facilitate or retrieval and effectively warn uh, navigational hazards caused by that, those uh, release gear. So, uh, you know, as we mentioned, off the coast uh, below uh, Cameron, they had, I don't know how many, 
hundreds of thousands of pounds of pogies in nets that they tore the nets and they had no use or right. whatever the and then Tony the case. turtles I wonder how to you know Boy, good the, question you remember turtles I mean a few uh, years back the Tez turtle exclusive devices I, I don't know how these big boats can operate you know because they they got to catch everything and these things are massive do. you know they do and yep. uh, not only catch I mean in those nets uh, they might have redfish specks uh, right all, all of that nature so too, if we right? drag for like ten miles I mean you're killing a lot of oh, I, yeah. I don't know so anyway anyway they also have to reasonably attempts made to retrieve the Manhattan and any bycatch uh, from the environment within forty eight hours of any unintentional uh, intentional uh, release but. They've got some rules on them. They're going to have a date and approximate time of release, uh, the species of fish release, uh, the, the di disposition of the f uh, fish uh, released, uh, right. the vessel which released the fish, uh, an estimated number of fish released, uh, photographic or video documentation of sufficient resolution to clearly depict the scope and composition of the release. So they've got some rules they've got to follow, which I think is good, too, uh, right. in that. And hopefully, and I realize, and I'm sure these commercial fishermen uh, feel, that man it's just more cost uh, on oh, yeah. them to go a little further out and uh with other issues so uh, yes sir there's a trade-off there but uh anyway um uh, it's just nice to see that uh at least they've made it took them five years you know how long they went with the speckled trout you know uh they couldn't make a decision and yeah. we all felt that you know 50 fillets of 25 speckled trout the limit is plain right. enough for anybody but you know tony your sportsman uh to me it's it's if they come up with a good compromise, your sportsman in, the, in this state spends a lot of money. Yeah, oh, I agree with that. And the, dollar, the local dollar rolls over. I mean, yeah. it's just my opinion. And with that too, Rick, uh, you can remember during the COVID years, the uh, fishing licenses shot all, up. Yeah, double, oh, like what? Double, tripled, yeah, almost doubled tripled and tripled them. in yeah. some areas. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. Uh, with that, because people are looking for something to do. Yes, sir. Elsewhere, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries biologists uh, stock a surplus of Florida largemouth bass in spring, spring bayou. bayou. I've seen that. Yeah, and uh, they uh, stocked uh, 126 pre-spawn pure Florida largemouth bass from its Booker Fowler fishing hatchery uh, in Spring Bayou. I think that's a state park, too, Spring Bayou. Uh, they did that a couple weeks ago, February 7th, and uh, the adult bass, they're three years old and carry big bass, Florida largemouth bass genes. The majority of these fish were 14 to 16 uh, inches in length, included both males and females yep. that weighed anywhere from one and a half to two and a half pounds, and uh, that's pretty neat, though, uh, that number of bass, even though it's right. not a great number. It's, uh, uh, right. how would you say? Uh, well, now, those fish, some of them, I'm sorry, Tony, for cutting you off, but some of them they put in there, Tony, in the next uh, less than a month they'll be spawning. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I don't know how big that area is up there. I, mean, I don't know. That, Spring that Bayou. Yeah, Yeah, uh, with that. But it's a national uh, state park. Excuse me, not a national park. Right, so, state, uh, yeah. Anyway, of course, and they did that because of the extreme drought conditions. Uh, last summer, uh, you know, it created an unplanned natural drawdown of the Spring Bayou. And a lot of those lakes and all oh, went bro. down. There was no rain. Tony, like I told you. How about how big we, the we've pond owned, dropped? We've owned our pond for almost 30 years. Eight feet. The po all pond right, now dropped. you're looking eight feet. Yeah, that's as high I'm as talking about wall. the water dropping yeah. in the pond. Yeah. Bro, we've seen stuff in the pond, Tony. You know, the bank. It's like the, the water shrank in, in the pond, you know, the, 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 the body of the pond grew bigger, but eight feet's a lot. So we've seen stuff we never seen, you know. Oh, you're right. With you're the right drop, so, you know, it, it, the pond came down. 
Well, look, I, and we've talked about it on this show many times, how after Andrew and some of the storms yeah. that suck the uh, oxygen out the out water, water, you yeah. know, the, the dead fish floating up in oh, all, yeah. all areas, and it took years to get uh, the lakes. Oh, yeah. Force Point. It Mm, to get the lake back, you're right, Tony. Probably close to six years. Yeah, yeah. In uh, that regard, and uh, with that drought last summer, uh, uh, yeah, that affected this area not only with fishing, but uh, a lot of a lot other, of yeah, uh, you know, with uh, uh, greenery, grass, sugar farmers uh, took the hit on that too. So, yep. uh, oh yeah. In the meantime, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see some else. And how many times we've seen them dump uh, fingerlings into uh, the lakes too yep. here. Uh, locally and all so uh yes sir anyway uh hopefully uh that all comes uh, uh up and uh of course uh that spring bayou uh should have some nice fishing oh yeah in the yeah. next year too. yeah in, in, in about three years you start seeing a big change yeah even yes, though sir. they only dumped a hundred and something uh but they were mature though that's right yeah. they weren't fingerlings you know right. that uh, have to fight off the birds and snakes oh, and yeah. gators and everything else little gators uh and everything else in that regard so uh anyway yes, Going to be interesting to see how that abounds. Uh, we'll take a look at that. Didn't see any more updates on the black bear hunting uh, taking place. Uh, that's going to be an issue over the years. Yeah. And, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, they're talking about at the end of this year, 10 bears. To, uh, I mean, if it's 10, I mean, why don't you say zero? Yeah. I mean, I don't understand that. It'd be different. Oh, we need to take out about 100 of them or 150 of them. Yeah. But uh, 10? Yeah, you're right. Uh, come on, man. 10. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I saw this before we go to our first break uh, and uh, when we have our representative uh, coming on from uh, Raging Cajun uh, Seasoning and Foods. Anyway, an angler, I saw this, landed yeah. a giant rainbow trout. It was it shattered a Maryland state record. I've uh, seen that, Tony. Pardon my ignorance, yeah. but uh, I, I didn't think rainbow trout. Well, I think of rainbow trout. I think of Montana, the Dakotas, Canada, where the streams flow, Washington, all those states up there in the cold water, uh, uh, streams and rivers and all up there. Right. I just don't see rainbow. I, uh, that's showing my ignorance. Where well, you look, look a little north of us. They, they do have good-sized trout. Really? You oh, get up wow. around Tennessee, Georgia, uh, yep, Maryland. Yep, up in there. They got some big trout. Well, anyway, this guy up in Maryland caught this trout. Uh, it was a Maryland state record. Uh, he was using a, a 12-foot crappie pole uh, and spinning rod, uh, rod rig with an 8-pound test mono uh, line at the time. And he said he saw the fish, made two very long runs uh, to the opposite side of the creek. Right. It was hard to move and all. He said uh, Latigue uh, managed to wrangle the fish out into the bank. The catch was uh, 32 inches long, this fish, yeah. and weighed 17.44 pounds on, on a certified scale. The catch shattered the previous mark of 14.2 pounds, caught way back in 87. It's a big trout. Yeah, and I went and I said, i got to look this up. What's the largest rainbow trout ever caught? Ever caught. That's right. And an impressive 48 pounds. Yeah. It was caught in September 5th of 2009 out of Lake uh, Diefenbacher, or Diefenbacher, up in Saskatchewan, Canada. Okay. And Sean Conrad uh, reeled in the beauty using a plug-type lure. The tug-of-war battle lasted about 30 minutes yeah. uh, with, uh, until he landed the record-breaking rainbow trout. The 48-pound beauty shattered the previous rainbow trout record and measured 42 inches long with a 32-inch girth. That's, I, a, that's I, a big, yeah. I, I can't see a rainbow it, That's a beautiful trout. fish, Tony. <laughs> Being that big, yeah, you know. That's uh, a beautiful fish also. has a lot of, lot of colors to it. Anyway, yeah. uh, just a really big fish. Anyway, time to take our first break here on um, – 
here on our Kane's Ray, uh, Fishing and Ray, uh, Hunting Show here. Yep. We get ready to bring on uh, a representative from Raging Cajun Seasoning and Foods uh, right after this. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Locally owned and operated, Alamo Hydraulic serves the oil business on the national scene. Specializing in welding, grinding, and hard chrome plating, Alamo also does fabrication work on cylinders, valves, pumps, and motors of all brands. Located at 2712 West Admiral Doyle Drive, you can call Chris Williamson at 303-3799. That's Alamo Hydraulics, a proud sponsor of the Cane Fishing and Hunting Show. A new carrier heating and air conditioning system from Dahl's Heating and Cooling can save you money every month. Thanks to the newest line of carrier energy-efficient technology products, you can lower your utility bill. Don't forget to ask about the cool cash savings through your local carrier dealer. Turn to the carrier experts at Dawes Heating and Cooling. Call Dan, you're my AC man today at 337-367-2511. That's 337-367-2511. License number 6286. Discover Ragin' Cajun, the original Cajun seasoning and Ragin' Cajun Foods' delicious line of seasoned dinners. Beans, black-eyed peas, roux, creole sauce, seasoning, rubs, and even sweet jalapeno relish and spicy pickles. Ragin' Cajun original recipes have been secretly crafted in the heart of Acadiana over the last 38 years. Ask for Ragin' Cajun at all your favorite grocery stores today. Ragin' Cajun, the original Cajun seasoning. Folks, ask them for that rage and cajun say ball everyone loves pizza and everyone loves a home run put them together and you have home run pizza and yes right here in new iberia located at 3816 east old spanish trail it's new iberia's newest takeout pizza and delivery is available dough is made fresh each day and you get an assortment of toppings try the grand slam the double play or mr meaty they're all home runs at home run pizza 256 5783. That's 256-5783. School sports are played by humans, coached by humans, and officiated by humans. So the next time you're sitting in the stands at a school athletic event, please remember this and maintain your humanity, especially when it comes to judging and critiquing athletes, coaches, and officials. Please show your fellow humans some respect. They'll appreciate your empathy. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. The hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5, AM 1240, and streaming at Kane1240.com. Welcome back to Kane Radio's Fishing and Hunting Show here on a big TGI Friday uh, with that. And uh, in the uh, studio with uh, Ricky and I today, one of our sponsors, and that's uh, Raging Cajun Seasonings and Foods, uh, Peyton White, the representative. Good morning, Peyton. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're quite welcome, and thanks for uh, sponsoring uh, the Fishing and Hunting Show here on Kane Radio uh, and that. And uh, tell us a little bit uh, about uh, Raging Cajun Seasoning and Foods, uh, how it came about. I know you're an employer with them, a representative of uh, them, and uh, a little bit about them, uh, Peyton. Go ahead. Yeah, so I uh, I do sales for the company and help with a little bit of marketing on the side. Um, company's been around for almost 40 years uh, as a whole, the parent company. Raging Cajun was kind of developed in the uh, early to mid-90s. Um, and we do seasoning, sauces, roux, box dinners. We have a line of seasoned beans where we have our, it's our uh, Raging Cajun original seasoning with a little packet inside of a 16-ounce bag of dry beans. We also do some pickled peppers and relish items. So uh, expanding uh, the market, so to speak, as uh, where it was, uh, as you mentioned, about 30 uh, or so years ago uh, with that. And correct me if I'm wrong, 
but the uh, owner or one of the owners of the establishment, the business, is from New Iberia. Yeah, so it's uh, his Paulala. He's originally from Lowerville. Um, he went to Catholic High. Uh, but, yeah, he lived in New Iberia for a while, and now I want to say he's located in Lafayette. But, you know, we do have some other employees in the plan, as well as Leslie Hall, who does our R&D food science, um, all based out of New Iberia, as well as some of the plant workers in the back. Um, and our, our accountant actually lives in New Iberia now, too. So we're all well-versed in the New Iberia area. Well, good for you. And I've seen your product around in the various uh, stores here in the city of New Iberia. And uh, also, just a little punch, uh, I think I know uh, uh, Paul's father, who was Perry Lilla, Correct. who was a pharmacist here in New Iberia, who I knew. And I knew the Lilla family. They grew up out there on uh, Highway 14, uh, the old Lilla's grocery store with Mr. P.D. Lilla. Right. Yep. So uh, a lot of home base here uh, in uh, New Iberia. Uh, anyway, tell us a little bit more about uh, some of your products and all and uh, distribution. Y'all, I think you mentioned to me the other day, y'all in all 50 states. Yeah, so uh, as of right now, we're, uh, we're national uh, with a little bit overseas, very little. Um, but the main thing is that we're trying to grow that national business. So I, I say national, which is a true statement, but at the same time, I don't have the full uh, product line of 40 items uh, in every store across the U.S. And that's kind of, you know, where me and the other sales guys have to get in and try to make sure we're, we're increasing sales as we can and increasing distribution and making the uh, presence of the products known. But, yeah, we play in across uh, all 50 states for right now. We're in, you know, down in the New Iberia surrounding area. You could find us in uh, Super One, Rouse's, all your mom and pops, Walmart, um, Albertsons, and just depending where you shop. Um, you can also find a Seminoles uh, as another one, or more recent one for us. Um, right. And then, you know, anything from the Lydia Food Store all the way to Bilo Supermarket to Freeman's across town and Millside down the road. So. Yeah, you've got to hit all the grocery stores. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, with that, too, uh, what kind of st- uh, how much, how many people do y'all employ right now? Uh, any idea? Yeah, so it, it, I said this actually yesterday. Uh, I made a joke in the office, but it actually depends the day. Um, so when we are, you know, normal business, we usually have about total 20 to 25 employees. That's office and plant workers. Okay. Um, depending if we have a big order or not that comes through, we'll either employ more temp workers. We work through a temp agency or we'll kind of run 24-hour overnight shifts. Um, and it just depends how much business we have going on at that time. Uh, so I, I guess a good average would be at 20 to 25. Okay. And uh, uh, with that, too, uh, uh, like you mentioned, that was some, another question you took a question away from me is that, uh, you know, I'm sure you have days where you have a big production and all, and you need some uh, more additional help in that regard. It'd be nice. Is there any uh, future structuring about getting into some of those uh, countries that like hot sauce, you know, and things of that nature where your brand may really take off in that regard? Yeah, hopefully so. Um, I kind of want to make it to Canada this year. That would be really cool. Uh, never been, but uh, we actually have done some meetings with some, uh, some countries outside the U S obviously uh, a little bit overseas. Uh, every, every meeting we've done has been in, the u.s but they've kind of come over they come over for these like food shows and expos we'll mm-hmm. run into and we actually met some last uh, or this week uh, i was in orlando for a food show uh distribution companies called unfi um with that company they they sell our products or distribute our products all over the u.s and in other countries so we met some companies from uh ecuador honduras all these other places that have somewhat of an interest in bringing in some of these Cajun products because, like you said, they, they like the flavor, they like the spice, 
and they like some of the other things that we have to offer as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, some of those uh, other, even the continents uh, with, uh, you know, the Four, e Four East Asia likes their hot food, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, also uh, Africa. I can remember talking to some of the uh, uh, Tabasco heads years ago, and uh, their big market was in the Middle East. You know, right, a lot yeah. of uh, those people like spicy food and all, and uh, along with uh, Southeast Asia was also with that that'd be a outstanding uh, if y'all could uh, land some uh, commitments from some of those uh, areas uh, for the seasoning and uh, Cajun food uh, you know so with uh, Raging Cajun uh, that would be a great opportunity to explode so to speak yeah I agree it, it would be nice um, and that's all in due time right which uh, it's a slow grind as they say it's it's ironic um, some of the hardest sell customers are right here in our own backyard just because everybody likes to kind of either do their own thing or they're very particular about what they use. I know um, what you mean. And that's kind of where we come in as, as just individuals who use the products besides just salesmen for the company. And, we, you know, we try to kind of increase the, uh, the foot traffic, I guess you could call it, of, of sure. trial and demand with it um, and just show people that um, we are 20% less sodium than some of those other leading Cajun seasoning guys who are a little bit healthier. And then that's just our – that's in comparison with our original Cajun versus their – you know, okay. whatever Cajun seasoning, Creole seasoning. Right, Creole, so, we're about yep. so we're about 20% less sodium there, and then it just gets less and less sodium the further down the line you go. Mm -hmm. We have like a sizzling steak seasoning, a chicken or gator seasoning, and all those are relatively lower sodium. We even have a, a, a sister brand called Cajun's Choice um, with a blackened seasoning, 75 milligrams of sodium per serving. Super heart healthy, super low sodium. It actually has the Oshner Hospital Eat Fit logo on the back. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, with that, too, uh, I was thinking that, uh, you know, like uh, to promote your product. I don't know if you've done that in the, in the past, but uh, like the gumbo cook-off and all these yeah. cook-offs around the area that they have, uh, that uh, whether it be a chili cook-off or any of these, coming up. you know, uh, mm -hmm. these cook-offs that uh, promote your product, you know, uh, during those areas. And uh, whether they buy it or not, at least you get the exposure is what right. I'm sure y'all trying to uh, get through now is just uh, having people realize you're out there and we got good uh, good seasonings and good, uh, uh, I guess, uh, recipes. And, and I think y'all even do that too. Don't y'all have uh, some type of recipes that go with uh, some of your uh, seasonings and brands? Right, yeah. So on the uh, box dinners and the beans and the roux and like the Creole and Etouffee sauce and the relish and some of those items, we have um, either a section on the back of the canister or, or – or jar or box or bag that usually has something that says like good with this or here's a recipe on how to create it here's what we usually would do with this something like that so we help the uh the uh, the person that in north dakota that doesn't know how to mm -hmm. make a rice dressing you know we have the instructions on the back we have the person in uh sioux falls that doesn't know what a seafood biscuit is you know <laughs> so it's <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. in the middle of the country that isn't really too close to water yeah um we, uh, you know, that's kind of our big thing. And then you also mentioned the, the local stuff. So, like, we, we, we've done the gumbo cook-off in the past. We want okay. to do it again. All right. Um, we want to do different things in and around this area especially um, to kind of brand, to kind of grow the local awareness, like I've been saying. Uh, it's, we have a – we're trying to grow that market share in, in our hometown areas. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you have all the festivals in this area. I mean, uh, 
in the hub of Lafayette, uh, whether it be in Opelousas or Crawley or Abbeville, New Iberia, Brobridge. I mean, there are a lot of opportunities, of course, with the uh, Brobridge uh, coming up in the next, I guess, uh, couple months is the uh, Crawfish Festival, mm -hmm. too. So uh, right, yeah. a lot of opportunities there for y'all. And uh, from what I understand, y'all growing at a pretty good pace right now. So uh, that's good to hear, too. Yeah, we've had some uh, some some record uh, record setting sales months at the end of uh, 2023, and then February is looking really good for us too of 24. Um, so uh, there's not much. I'm not doing much complaining on my end right now. I don't think anybody. <laughs> maybe some of my plant coworkers are because we're busy, but. Um, other than that, at the end of the day, you know, it's good to be busy than not, right? That's right. Yes, anyway, Peyton, we want to thank you for coming in and speaking about uh, Cajuns, uh, Raging Cajun seasoning and foods. And uh, best of luck to you. Hopefully we can get you back on uh, later and you can have a little more update for us in that regard. Yeah, thanks for your sponsorship, Peyton. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you all Absolutely. for Absolutely. Uh, you're quite welcome. Anyway, uh, real quickly, the tides this weekend uh, with that uh, Friday the 23rd. Of February, the sun rose at uh, Vermilion Bay and Southwest Pass at 6.40. Uh, sunset will be at 6 o'clock tonight in the high and low tide chart. First high tide was at 1.07 a.m. The next high tide will be at 4.58 p.m. The first low tide today at 9.10 a.m. and The next low tide at 8.58. Uh, meanwhile, tomorrow, Saturday, the 24th, uh, sunrise will be at 6.39. Sunset at 6.04. In the high and low tide chart, we can see that the first high tide will be at 2.01 a.m. The next high tide at 5.03 p.m. The first low tide uh, Saturday will be at 9.37 a.m. And the next low tide at 9.31 p.m. Sunday, the 25th. Uh, the sun's going to rise at 6.38, sunset at 6.05. In the high and low tide chart, we can see that the first high tide will be at 2.57 a.m., the next high tide at 5.11 p.m., the first uh, low tide of the day, uh, the 25th, 10.01 a.m., and the next low tide at 10.10 p.m. The average water temperature in Southwest Pass, Vermilion Bay, around 60 degrees, probably a little bit higher than that uh, with that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Rick, uh, as always, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for these fine people. You're right, Tony. We've got to thank our, our nice sponsors, Alamo Hydraulics, Doors Heat and Cooling, Home Run Pizza, and Raging Cajun Seasoning and Foods. And our motto is always, kids that hunt and fish don't steal and deal.